Now, about a year ago, I booked, I booked Gary to come and preach to us in, in one of our guest services. And um, he was all due to come. And then I got a, a phone call from Sally saying, uh, you know, you booked him to come. Well, I've organised a surprise party for him because it's, he's been in ministry for 40 years and I've got people coming from all over the country and maybe even further, I, I don't know. And she says, but do you mind if, if, if you cancel him, but only in your head? Don't let him know. So I had to kid him on that he was still coming here because if I'd have cancelled him, he'd have gone and booked somewhere else. And, uh, and so me and Sally had this secret going on so, and I had to tell him fibs. And cancel him at the last minute. But actually he found out, didn't he? He found out about this surprise party. Somebody always opens the mouth, don't they? But anyway. But, uh, but no, it's great that we've got Gary. Gary's been a, a, a good friend for a long time. He does a great job. So let's welcome Gary Gibbs. Andy Lenton, a little fibber. <laughs> Morning, everybody. Oh, glad to be here at Laster Bridge Community Church. Took a while, but we got here in the end. And uh, as Andy said, my name's Gary. Um, you can call me Slaphead. It's okay. I cope. And um, hey, listen, I don't know. Um, I don't know why you're here this morning. Um, maybe you're here because this is your church. And this is where you come most Sunday mornings. It could be that like me, this is your very first time at, at Bridge uh, Community Church in a, in a Sunday service. And of course, uh, whether you're here regularly or whether you're here for the very first time or somewhere in between, you are really, uh, really welcome. And uh, we come together this morning in the presence of God. Uh, the living Lord Jesus is here. You can't see him. You can't reach out and touch him physically, but he's with us. And whatever your story is, whatever your spiritual journey has been thus far, one thing that I'm sure about is that um, even, even through the, the, the faltering lips of a human being like me, um, God wants to speak into your situation and to help you uh, and to uh, and actually bring about some wonderful changes uh, in your life. Now... Um, so like I said, I don't know what your background is spiritually or church-wise or anything like that or in terms of religion, but uh, when I was younger, I was one of those sort of people who um, I used to believe in God sometimes. Anybody ever been there in the past? Yeah, I believed in God sometimes. So, so for example, you know, uh, I'd wake up in the morning, um, had a great night's sleep, the sun was shining, the birds was singing, and I'd lie there and I'd think, there must be a God. There must be. Fantastic. And that was fine, until a couple of weeks later, I woke up in the morning, and I'd slept really badly. I'd been having uh, bad dreams, um, probably because I made the mistake of having cheese on toast before I went to bed. I mean, that does weird things to me. Does it you? Just weird. And um, I'd wake up with a stinking headache, and... Uh, it was pouring with rain outside and the birds were not singing because the next door neighbor shot them all the day before. And, um, you know, it's like everything begins to go wrong. You ever had one of those days? 
So, you know, you're like you're going to the bathroom to, uh, to clean your teeth. Because, you know, in the morning when you wake up, you've got like that film on your teeth. Not in Leeds. <laughs> or where we come from, anyway. So, um, so you've you got to clean your teeth. Now, listen, who is it? Question, who is it in your house who uses the last, the last toothpaste in the tube and leaves the tube just sitting there empty? Who is that? Yeah? Some people are pointing at each other. So, but you think to yourself, if I squeeze this tube from the bottom to the top, I might be able to get some toothpaste out of it. You ever done that? So you're going like this, finger over finger. It's family size. And a little bit of toothpaste squirts out the top of the tube, totally misses your toothbrush, <laughs> straight down the plug hole. So you think, oh, forget it. You go downstairs. You're the last one in the house. And uh, let's imagine for a minute that you're into sort of, you know, high fiber for breakfast. So you reach into the cupboard for the bran flakes. Now, question, who is it in your house who uses the last bran flakes in the box and puts the box <laughs> back there empty? Well, the thing is, it's, it's like it's nearly empty, isn't it? Because there's always that sawdust at the bottom so you think to yourself all right i'll have a piece of toast instead so you go across to the bread bin and you open the bread bin and there in the bread bin is that crust that's been in there for 14 weeks and you take it out of the wrapper and it's like there's there's a football pitch growing on it it's it's green, but there's nothing else in the house. So what do you do? You scrape the green off, <laughs> stick it in the toaster, and you go across to make yourself a cup of coffee. Now, why is it on mornings like this, why is it that, that pop-up toasters always seem to forget that they are pop-up toasters? So you're making your coffee, you think, what's that smell? fire so you run across you pop it up by hand now it's black so what do you do scrape the black off and then you put your margarine or your butter and marmalade on it stick it on the plate you're just walking across to the kitchen table you're ahead of me now aren't you because on mornings like this what happens the piece of toast slips off the plate and starts pirouetting down towards the kitchen floor and it's like everything goes into slow motion you go oh no you're trying to catch it before it hits the floor and as you're trying to catch it you're thinking to yourself this piece of toast has got a 50 50 chance of landing marmalade side up or marmalade side down on the floor. On mornings like this, does it ever land marmalade side up? I mean, not a chance. So you pick it off the floor. And now on top of the marmalade, there are all sorts of other interesting things. Dog hairs. You haven't got a dog. Old, dry-roasted peanuts. Somebody's toenail clippings. 
And you stand there in the middle of the kitchen and you think to yourself, there cannot be a God. Because if there was a God, he wouldn't let all this stuff happen to me. Yeah? Anybody ever been there? Yeah? yeah, I've been there. Now, I'll tell you what changed it all for me. A similar thing to what my wife, was, Sally, was telling you about just a few minutes ago. Um, was actually having an experience, an encounter with God where he became real for me. You see, it says somewhere in the Bible, it says this. It says, taste and see that God is good. Taste and see that God is good. In other words, it's by experiencing God for yourself that you can know whether he's real, whether he cares about you, whether he really can make some of those changes that that Sally was talking about um, just a few minutes ago. Now, if you are one of those intellectuals, um, philosophically, that's called subjective certainty. Or as the Americans would say, I just know it in my knower. But you get the point, okay? When you know, you know. And so for me, some years ago, uh, in a very different place and at a different time to Sally, I had this experience of God for myself, and that made all the difference. Now, I want to say the same for you this morning. Whatever brings you to church this morning, if you don't know God, if you've never encountered Jesus Christ, I can't think of any better time or place or occasion to actually give God the opportunity of making himself real to you. Does that make sense? And that's where we're going in the next few minutes. I'm going to talk for a little while, but then I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never had that opportunity, or if you've never taken the opportunity, to invite God to be real for you. So, uh, we're going to dive into the Bible for a bit, and I want to read to you uh, one man's story of a meeting that he had with Jesus that eventually changed everything for him. Now, that's really important because you might be here this morning and you might have had some spiritual experiences in the past that might have been directly related to Jesus Christ and, and God the Father. But as far as you know, you've never said that really big yes to following Jesus. And actually, this guy in the story... At this point, he doesn't say that big yes. He's interested, but he doesn't take the opportunity. Don't let that be true for you this morning. So let me read to you from um, John's Gospel. You know, in the New Testament, goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John's Gospel, and we're going to read from uh, one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. Do you know which chapter of John it is? Three. Yeah, John chapter 3. And uh, let's read this story. Let me read this story to you. John 3 verse 1 says... Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Let me stop there for a minute and say this. Um, If you're still uh, expecting to have children in the future, um, little tip, don't call them Nicodemus. They will not thank you when they get to school, all right? So it might have worked then, it doesn't work now. The other thing we just read was this guy was a Pharisee. That means he was really religious. I mean, he would have been the equivalent in his day of uh, a modern-day bishop or something like that, you know, some really religious guy. How many of you know that you can be really religious and still not have a friendship with God? Uh, You can believe all the right things, but never have actually entered into a relationship with God, a friendship with God. And that was his situation right now. 
He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. How can this be? What a great question. What an excellent question. So um, here's what Jesus, the living Lord Jesus, I believe, wants to say to each one of us this morning. And uh, because I want you to find yourself in this story. It's as if you and I, we are this man encountering Jesus. But to every human being on the planet, wherever they come from, whatever their story is so far, the living Lord Jesus, these words of his ring through the centuries and he speaks them to us this morning. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, you could be forgiven, living in the 21st century, you could be forgiven that that term, being born again, is something that comes out of a, uh, some right-wing North American political party or something like that, you know? Um, because often we read st- stuff in the newspaper or watch things on the telly that would suggest that. Or you could be forgiven for thinking that in this world there are two different sorts of Christians. There are Christians and there are born-again Christians as if they're two different animals, you know? I mean, we're living in a world right now where something like just over 2 billion people, 2,000 million people self-identify as followers of Jesus, more than a third of the world population. And you could be forgiven for thinking, well, some of those people who identify, they're born-again Christians, and some are just Christians. But listen, this is not a new term. This comes from the founder of the faith. This comes from the the lips of Jesus himself. He is the one who says that unless we're born again, we can't see the kingdom of God. So this morning, I want to just use that as a framework and I want to offer you um, three invitations. Three invitations, as it were, from Jesus Christ to you this morning. And uh, I'd like to ask you to RSVP, because that's polite, isn't it? So how would you respond then to these uh, invitations from Jesus? Three of them. Here we go, very quickly. The first is this. The first invitation is to ask God to make you his child. 
Ask God to make you his child. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. Now, Nicodemus, you probably picked it up in the story, he totally got the wrong end of the stick with this one. He says to Jesus, hang on a minute, look at me. I'm, I'm 14 stone, I'm 5 foot 11. I mean, I, I can't go back inside my mother's womb and be born again. She'd be, she'd be enormous. And Jesus says to him, oh, you thicko. Well, it does, it's sort of implied in the text. It's not really there. But Jesus says to him, listen, you're a, you're a religious man. You're a, you're a leader of the Jewish people. And you still haven't understood. He said, Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, um, when you were born the first time, when you were born physically, you were born of human parents. Does that make sense? And for the sake of for the sake of this illustration, you had a human father. You had a human father. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is this. If you are going to know God as your father, remember who he is? Our father who art in heaven. Do you remember? If you're going to know God as your father, then you need another birth, not physical, that's already happened, but you do need a spiritual birth for God to become your father. Do you get that? So here is the acid test this morning. What, what is the test of whether you or I are, are followers of Jesus, whether you or I are truly Christians in the sense that God wants us to be. It boils down to this question. Ask yourself now, everyone, ask yourself this question. Do I know God? Do I know God? Okay. Because I know there are some, um, some sad uh, instances in this and some tragic stories. But generally speaking, it's normal to know your dad. Are you with me? Generally speaking, it's normal to know your dad, whether that's a human dad or actually whether it's a heavenly father, okay? So being a follower of Jesus does not boil down to simply believing that there's a God out there somewhere or coming to church or, 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 or trying to live a good life, even though all those things have their place. The acid test, do I know God? Do I know him? Now, somebody's sitting there this morning, you're saying, um, uh, I'm not sure. Let me ask you this question then. Do you know Dave Dexter? What went through your mind? Who? Yeah, exactly. I know Dave Dexter. He's my mate. He's my friend, you see. <laughs> now, here's the thing, right? Um, if someone says to me, Gary, do you know Dave Dexter? I don't have to think about it. When you know someone, you know that you know them. See what I mean? So in this case, if I ask you the question, do you know God? The one who hesitates is lost, actually. Because if you know God, you know that you know him. Are you with me? The amazing thing is this. The fantastic news is this. That God wants us to know him. Not because we're good enough. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it by something that we've done. But God's made it totally possible for us to have the uh, what I would consider to be the greatest privilege on planet earth. To be able to call the creator of the universe our dad. And find a new identity. 
a place of belonging, a place of security that you can never find anywhere else. So that's the first invitation this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready this morning to ask God to make you one of his kids? To make you his child? The second invitation is this. It's an invitation, and this is hard, I understand it, but it's an invitation to surrender to King Jesus. To surrender to King Jesus. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Now, what's the one thing that you need, perhaps more than anything else, in order to have a kingdom? It's a king or a ruler, okay? You cannot really have a a kingdom, certainly not in the way that this was understood 2,000 years ago. You cannot have a king, a kingdom, without a king or a ruler. So my question is this, who's the king of your life this morning? Who's in control? Who's um, calling the shots? Who's making the decisions about the woman or the man that you are becoming in this life? Because the Bible suggests that we have a choice of two. Either we have set up within us um, the kingdom of self. We're at the center. We're making those choices. We're making those decisions. Or there comes a time in our lives where we voluntarily choose to abdicate, to get off the throne in order that someone else can rule and reign in our lives. That benevolent, loving King Jesus. Now, here's the, here's the challenge. If we've set up the kingdom of self, and that's natural for every one of us as we live our lives, then what we discover is that we have all sorts of um, um, bad habits, wrong attitudes, weaknesses, problems in our lives that we never really manage to deal with in the way that we know that we should. We know what the standards are. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, be this, be this, be this. And every time we try and live up to our our own standards, never mind God's, we end up falling short of those standards. Does that make sense? Because um, a famous man once put it like this. He said, if within us, think about this, this is deep. (laughs) It's the only deep thing you'll hear this morning from me. If, If within us, we find nothing over us, we succumb to what's around us. Did you get that? If within us, we find nothing, or if you, if you like, no one over us, we succumb to what is around us. But here's the thing that I've discovered, that when we receive welcome King Jesus into our lives, we receive power to change into the man or woman that we were always supposed to be. God does that for us. Sally was saying about the first thing she read in the Bible when she started to follow Jesus. The first thing I ever read in the Bible, I'd never, I'd never read the Bible before. I didn't know where to start. And, and the, the person who helped me to find Jesus gave me a Bible. I thought, I don't know where to start. I'll just open it and read the first thing that I see. So I opened it. For, I mean, I'd never been to church. I'd never been to Sunday school. I knew nothing. All I knew was that that God had met me. And I opened the Bible and the very first thing that I read said this. It said, when someone becomes a Christian, God makes them brand new. The old has gone. Everything's become new. And all this is from God. I remember going, whoa! Because what I just read in that book was exactly what had happened to me. And now there was a new power 
internal power, uh, not to just do what I want, but to do what I should do. Isn't that incredible? And that comes from the living Lord Jesus. It's so difficult for us to change ourselves from the outside in. But the brilliant news of the, the good news of Jesus is that he comes to change us from the inside out. How about you this morning? Have you ever come to that point in your life when you've made that conscious decision to say, King Jesus, I surrender. I surrender to you and I want you, please, to give me your power to be the person I'm supposed to be. Surrender to King Jesus. Just one more invitation this morning and then we're going to pray together. And if you've never taken hold of those invitations before, I want to encourage you this morning to make this the day when everything changes, when everything changes for the better, for the better. The third invitation is this. It's to start a brand new life. To start a brand new life. Listen, there's nothing as new as being born. You ever thought about that? There you are, growing away for nine months in the dark, you know, getting a, you know, getting a bit tight for space. And uh, then one day, it's like there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and you think, I'm getting out of here, right? And you start pushing and shoving and everything and all sorts of weird things are happening. And suddenly, pow! You, there's, there's a bright light and someone is saying, oh, isn't he a lovely boy or girl? Or whatever. And they don't do this anymore. But when I was born, they hang you upside down and smack you on your backside. You know, to, um, when, when Lenny was born, they smacked him on his face. They got confused. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, can anybody remember being born? I hope not, because you'd be really traumatized, wouldn't you, right? <laughs> but you see, when Jesus used this picture, he did it for a reason. He didn't waste words. Because what is he saying? He's saying, listen, before you come to faith in me, it's like you're in the dark. You don't know who you are or where you're going or what it's all about. But suddenly, you're out of darkness and you're into the light. Now you see. He's saying, before you come to me, says Jesus, it's like you're trapped. You can't be free to be the person that you need to be. But when you're born again, you're free. You're free. Do you get it? It's a whole new start. What we're talking about this morning is this, that God is offering you a fresh beginning. He's offering you, offering you forgiveness for all of the mistakes of the past, for all of the regrets and the shame that might have gone on over the years. He's offering you a brand new start. I want to say to you this morning, folks, Jesus is the only one who's, who has done all that's necessary to make this possible for you. That's why the cross of Jesus Christ stands front and center in the Christian faith. I've got a friend, and I'll just finish with this story, a friend called um, Pat. In fact, his name is Patrick Quinn. Guess where he comes from? Birmingham. And um, Pat's, uh, Pat's a minister, and uh, some time ago he was praying one morning, and as he was praying, he said to God, he said, God, Please show me afresh why, why Jesus died for me. Now, Pat had been following Jesus for many years, 
But he was just asking God for a fresh revelation of why Jesus died. As he prayed that prayer, it was as if a movie began to play in his head. And in this movie, Pat was there on the day when Jesus was crucified. And he was standing in the, at the foot of the cross in this crowd of people. And in front of him, he could see Jesus stretched out on the cross with those big pieces of metal hammered through his wrists and feet. And he looked at Jesus as Jesus was pushing up on the nail through his feet to breathe in and then down as he exhaled and the crown of thorns that had been smashed onto his head and the, the blood dripping down his face. And it was a horrible, horrible sight. And, and it was so vivid, this movie, that Pat could sort of hear the voices of the people around him in the crowd as they were laughing at Jesus and, and mocking him and, and swearing at him and spitting in his face and all the terrible things that they did at the crucifixion. And as Pat saw this in his mind, suddenly the camera angle tipped upwards to above the cross. And what my friend saw above the cross was a big open sewer pipe. And out of this sewer pipe, was pouring all of this, um, all of this dirt, all of this, all of this filth, all of, the, all of this excrement, actually, and it was all pouring down over the body of Jesus as he was hanging on the cross. And Pat felt like God spoke to him inwardly and said, "This, do you understand? Do you understand?" And what I want to say this morning, folks, is this. What my friend saw that morning is right in line with what the Bible says happened at the cross. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, wrote about it in the New Testament. And he said this. He said, he, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body when he died on the tree. So that we could stop sinning and live in a right relationship with God. He bore our sins. In other words, Jesus on the cross, the purest, the purest person who has ever lived, when he was crucified, he became total filth because he took upon himself my filth, my dirt, all the accumulated rubbish through the years in my life. Jesus took it upon himself as he was crucified. Jesus was saying, It's my fault. Blame me. And it wasn't his fault. But he still took the blame. He still paid the penalty for all of our wrongdoing and our mistakes and our shame and that rubbish. Do you know that there was, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let you in. And he was willing to do that because he cares so much about you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for you. He gave everything he had for you. Can I ask you how much have you given to him? Uh, what is it, 10%? 50? You know, the, the dregs and the fag ends of our lives? He deserves and he demands everything. 
That's how it works. That's how it works. This Jesus who died for you, this Jesus who today, this morning, lives for you. We've been singing about it. Yeah? That He's alive. He's with us. And if we invite Him, He can make all the difference. You can receive God as a Father who loves you. You can receive Jesus as your King. You can know what it is to start a whole new life. And there is only one person here this morning. Only one person who could stop that happening for you. Do you know who that is? It's yourself. Because of the kingdom of self. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to uh, implore you on Christ's behalf to take that step of allowing Jesus to be who he really is in your life because then you'll really start living. We're going to pray together and uh, this is a moment, a sacred moment when you could take that step of faith and find him to be all that you ever wanted and all that you ever needed. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. You know, you don't have to close your eyes to pray, but I want to suggest that uh, we do that this morning. If you can, some of you may have uh, babies with you and I understand, but if you can, close your eyes. Would you do that? Because um, I want to speak to you as if you and I were the only two people here in the church right now. Now, how difficult is that? There are people all around you. But I want to speak to you and I want to ask you this question. Would you answer this just in your own mind? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Do you know God? Do you know Him? And if not, do you want to be? Do you want to be? I'm going to pray a prayer that's very similar to the prayer that I prayed all those years ago when I took that step. And I want to offer you this prayer. I want to invite you to pray it after me, line by line. Not, not out loud. Just in your own mind, in your own heart. Because God hears the unspoken prayers of our hearts. And one thing I know for sure is, He wants to answer this prayer. So if you feel you can, this prayer says three things. It says, God, I'm sorry. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. And God, please, come and make a difference. And if you can pray that with me this morning, I know he'll answer it for you. Here's the words of that prayer for you to echo back to God in your own heart. Lord God, I come to you right now. And I want to say that I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for turning away from you. I'm sorry for just pleasing myself. I'm sorry for being in rebellion against you. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you were willing to be crucified for me. Thank you for taking the blame. And thank you that you are alive now. Lord Jesus, I open my life to you. And I'm asking you, please, 
to come into my life. Pour your forgiveness into me. And make me clean inside. God, pour your love into my heart. I want to know you. And Lord Jesus, give me the power that I need to be made brand new. Lord, thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for answering it. Now, folks, let's just stay with our eyes closed for a moment. Because I know that there are people all over church this morning who, uh, who just prayed that prayer with me. And, and you weren't playing games. You really meant business with God. And I want to tell you that God has already answered your prayer. You may feel that. You may feel already something different. You may just feel confused. You might not feel anything, but the feelings will come. As sure as day follows night, the feelings will come. The issue right now is this. Did you pray? Did you mean it? If you did, I'd like to pray for you and ask God to really help you as you begin this wonderful adventure of following Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Wherever you're seated in prayer right now, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip a hand high into the air as a way of saying, first of all, to God, God, here I am. I prayed that prayer with Gary, and I'm not ashamed of the fact. And God will see that. I'll see it from where I'm standing so I know who I'm including in this prayer. I'd like to pray for God to really help you. And also, just as you raise your hand, one of our staff wants to just come and give you a, a booklet that will help you to know where to go from here. So is that you? Did you pray with me? If you did, would you do that right now? Raise a hand high into the air. God, here I am, and I prayed that prayer. Would you do that so that our staff can see you and get to you with this booklet as well? Just raise a hand if you prayed that prayer. God bless. Just keep your hands up for a moment, if you will, until someone gets to you with one of these booklets. Anybody else? If you're sitting there, maybe saying, oh, I need to put my hand up. Do it now. Do it now if you prayed that prayer. Raise a hand. And then one of our staff will get to you. God bless you. Thank you. Father, I pray now for each one of these women and men who are saying yes to you. Father, thank you that Jesus said he would never leave them and he would never let them down. And I pray that that would be the story of their lives as they go into the future. Would you bless them and keep them? Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Give them your peace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.